Hello, welcome to the Plug Podcast. Here on the Plug Podcast, we're all about taking anal sex conversations even deeper. So from beginner butt stuff, or if you're more of an advanced anal adventurer, the plug is focusing on more pleasure and less shame for all bodies. I'm your host, Luna Matadas. I'm a sex and pleasure educator who is super eager to answer all of your sex questions and bring you special guest experts to expand our ass play knowledge. The Plug Podcast is made possible by the fabulous B-Vibe. B-Vibe is an award-winning sex toy company who's out there innovating anal pleasure with body-safe toys and high-end designs focused on exceptional booty experiences. I can speak from experience. Uh, Our third episode of the plug is all about pee spots. So we're talking about playing with the prostate. If you're curious about prostates, you want to learn about prostate pleasure anatomy, you want to learn about techniques for stimulation, prostate milking, bust some myths around prostates. This episode is full of all of that information. And we're also going into communication, body shame, shame around activities that we like to undertake. And so we're bringing in all kinds of nuances around prostate pleasure. Okay, so I am so excited to talk with my guest today on The Plug. Um, I met Zachary Zane through answering questions around butt stuff and anal sex, and I thought, whoa, like this person knows a lot about butt stuff, and we should probably know each other. So Zachary Zane is a Brooklyn-based columnist, sex expert, and activist whose work focuses on sexuality, lifestyle, culture, and the LGBTQ community. He currently has a sex advice column at Men's Health titled Sexplain It and a relationship column at Queer Majority titled Zach and the City. That's so cute. His work has been <laughs> published in Rolling Stone, The Washington Post, GQ, Playboy, Slate, Cosmo, and so many others. Last but not least, he has a weekly newsletter, Boy Slut, so you got to get on that list, where he writes erotic essays detailing his wildest and raunchiest personal sex stories. So hopefully we're going to get a taste of those, maybe a little tapas of uh, boy slut today with zach welcome zach thank you so much for being here oh thank you so much for having me i i love talking about butt stuff so this was like perfect yeah i feel like you're like my bisexual butt buddy in this world <laughs> so we get to talk about all the butt things all the time truly truly we really do how did you how did you tumble into this? Like I feel I don't know a lot about how you arrived in this space as a sex bird, an activist, a columnist. Like you've got such a diverse set of the ways that you're using your voice. Yeah, I kind of fell into it by accident, becoming kind of a sex writer and sex educator. I thought I was gonna get a PhD in clinical psychology. So after college, I worked at Harvard Medical Center as a smoking cessation researcher and counselor, so figuring out the best way to get people to quit smoking cigarettes. And I was about to apply for my PhD program, and I'm like, I hate academia. These people are cutthroat. They're nasty. They'll steal your work. And it's going to take me 10 years before, like six years of a PhD, three years of postdoc. And I'm like, I don't want to start my career in my late 30s. Like, like I just want to start doing what I'm doing. So I freaked out and actually just started writing like a novel at work because I was bored. I didn't know what else to do. And then when I finished it, I was like, okay, I need to get some pieces published uh, so I can get an agent. And I wrote this piece about being bisexual 
and feeling like I had to only date bisexual people after coming out as bi. So it was like, it was for Exo Jane's, like it happened to me vertical where they used to have the most like salacious, ridiculous titles where it would be like, Oh, like I abused my aborted fetus to choke my husband to death. Like something like that. And you'd be like, what the fuck is like, can I curse? Hopefully I can curse. I was like, what the fuck is this shit? So the piece I wrote was I came out as bi and now can't date anyone gay or straight. And I spoke about how, when I thought I was going to come out as bi, like, or once I came out as bi, the world would be my oyster. I thought I was going to be able to date everyone, people of all genders. And then women wouldn't date me because like, oh, you're secretly gay. I don't want to date you. And then men wouldn't date me because a lot of them were just like, oh, you're bi. Yeah, I said I was bi too before I was gay. I want someone who's comfortable with my sexuality. And if not that, there was a fear that I'd leave them for a person of another gender and all this stuff. So I was just like, what the hell? I struggled so much with my queer identity, with my bisexual identity. I came out and now I can't date anyone. This is awful. And then I met this woman. She was bi. We had this blossoming, great relationship. I wrote this piece. So I'm trying to like skip over some parts here. So I wrote this piece. It went viral from that. I started working at pride.com, which was a sister site to Out Magazine, The Advocate, still exists. I started writing all this LGBTQ content, specifically about male bisexuality. Because at the time I started doing this, five, oh my God, over five years ago, almost six years ago at this point, there was no one talking about male bisexuality the way I was. And a lot of the articles that were out there was about like 10 things to never say to a bi guy, but there was nothing like, no depth, no nuance, no nothing. And so... Because I was writing about male bisexuality in this honest and authentic way, I was starting to get a lot of work. And so I ended up becoming like the bi guy. And then from that, I kind of branched out to discussing all issues of queer sexuality, then sexuality in general, in general, then like male specific sexuality, then everyone. And that's kind of how I got to where I am today. I am so happy that you arrived because I mean yeah. this this bi erasure and this biphobia, particularly for men who are bisexual, I think is so real. And and that was one of the things I really loved about finding your voice and even the perspective that you bring to the questions that you ask in this space. It's so um it's it's as if something was was waiting for for that permission to talk about this in this way. And now we have spaces for the, these conversations and definitely we need more and we need more depth. And I love what you speak to around the assumptions that you were met with when you came out and tried to join gay or straight communities and and this nonsense around oh like this is just a stop on the way to gay or you're um you know that's what I thought too and really erasing what your dynamic and and complex relationship is to your sexuality it was just so it was I I look at my life now and I mean not not during COVID times is not a great example but like my life is awesome I've created I have multiple partners that I typically see I have bisexual friends I go to sex parties I don't experience really biphobia or bi discrimination on a daily basis and then I remember and I look back to how really miserable I was for so many years and how unhappy I was how confused I was with my identity and it's so weird like even if people are homophobic they at least I mean for the most part they acknowledge that like being gay is a thing it is real whether or not you like admit it's real or not like you can google it's like okay gay men clearly exist 
versus for bi men, I was just told I am not real. I don't exist. Bisexuality does not exist. And that led to so much confusion, so much hatred, and again, so much discrimination. And it's so weird when I think about how fucking hard it was for so long and so many years and how much I cried and how much I struggled and how much therapy I had to do to embrace who I am, which I think is why I'm such an advocate for embracing who you are. And I know how corny that fucking is, but it really is just like the self-love, the self-acceptance to live shamelessly is so empowering. And my life, I I have a great fucking life now, but fuck, it took a while to get to this point. Mm, yeah, like I can, I can hear the the struggle and the introspection and the healing that had to happen for for you to get to this point. And I can resonate with so much of that. And I think so much of that I I can't even imagine. I think there's so much around how we have to validate our sexuality by the people that we choose to sleep with and by the types of activities that we decide to do with those people. And that's so limiting for so many people. I have on one of my profiles, I actually changed it, one of my dating app profiles um, to specifically say like, you know, bi men welcome underneath like, oh, I like all queer people. And because I had so many bi men reaching out to me that identified as straight on their profiles, but because of my peg, the patriarch, for some reason, that's bringing all the bi boys to the yard. Um, that, that, <laughs> the fuck out, yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, "Oh, let me make the invitation even clearer," <laughs> you know. And like, bi women were were totally fine, and bi people of other genders were finding their way to me. But bi men were coming in with this sort of this this like kind of, "Oh my gosh, are you sure you're okay with this?" Because I've not had good reception to this. So I. I think like you having that voice out there is so amazing to inspire people to like do what they want, how they want it and be in this shameless way as you described it. Thank you. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And what else do you do you kind of, um, you know, as you were sharing that experience, this this piece around not really feeling like you were accepted or or fitting in, did that change how you approached your pleasure and like what you did? Like, were you more curating kind of like, OK, well, if I'm with this person, then, it, you know, I have to be this way or I have to express myself this way? I mean, I was definitely for a while one of those by top only dudes. Uh, which you'll see like a plethora of on Grinder and stuff like that. But it's just like, bye guys who only top. And for me, I, it wasn't as much, I think, internalized shame and homophobia as much as I was like, this just seems painful. This seems like a painful experience and there's going to be shit. And like, this, like, none of this sounds appealing to me. But you know what I mean? For a while, even in terms of, I know I was just kind of leading into the butt stuff, even not the butt stuff. Oh my God. I hooked up with guys blacked out for five years. I did not wear condoms because I was blacked out. I put myself in dangerous situations because I was so drunk, but that would be the only time I'd felt comfortable hooking up with men. And I did some very dark and scary things that I am very happy that I am here and alive and healthy today. So uh, also like the literal physical dangers uh, that happen when you do not have self-acceptance. I'm so glad you're sharing this vulnerability 
with us. Because I think that that we have this misconception that it's just about, you know, preferences or likes or dislikes. And, and but really, it, it changes our intentions behind how we pursue our sexuality and whether those intentions are connected to our worthiness for emotional and physical safety, or they're connected to trying to feel something and trying to soothe, you know, this disconnection from ourselves and from our communities. And especially when we, I mean, I know we're, we're going to talk about prostates for sure, everyone, just hang on. But <laughs> this is so much about the, the context of, of prostate pleasure. And because we are talking about, you know, bodies that have traditionally, penis owners have been told to have sex in a particular kind of, of way. And, and once we start to shift that, whether it's through bisexuality and discovering queerness or it's discovering parts of our bodies that we might feel have assumptions around them, there comes this, this shyness, this shame, this awkwardness. And so we don't even really have an opportunity to, to articulate you know, why I want to do this or how I want it done or how I want to feel. And so what would you, you know, say to someone who's maybe thinking about prostate pleasure, either touching their own prostate or asking their partner for prostate pleasure, or even just starting to explore that area of the body? There, oh my God, so many things you brought up here that were so good. I mean, it, it's, it's tough to be like, hey, don't feel shame for something. I hate when people like say stuff like that because it's not a very actionable advice. But I think there is power in re like reading as much as you can about it, hearing other people's stories, hearing other people's like, and I share a lot of the times on men's health. I'll write these articles about like, here's 10 people's experiences with prostate play. Here's why they love it. And I think when you hear other people's experiences, you read more about it, it really normalizes it for you. And it really can help you take away the shame. So I'd say a lot of it is, is read as much as you can about it and talk to people about it. Talk to people who are open about it, who are doing it themselves. You know the friends who are going to judge you and you know the friends who are not going to judge you. Hopefully you have more friends that don't judge you than do judge you. If so, maybe reevaluate re your life decisions in your friend group. But like, you know, I, I think just being open and talking about it is the first start. And I mean, you, you should be able to say anything to your partner, any kink, any fetish, anything that is, you know, consensual uh, between adults at this point, you should not be, you should not feel shame for anything. I think bottoming and prostate is so, there's so many connotations involved with it that there aren't with other like kinks or fetishes. And I don't even want to call prostate play a kink or a fetish. It is like not. And I think, you know, often when I think of like pegging for some reason has this idea of being a kink or a fetish. And I'm like, that's always how gay men have sex. Like we're right. always fucking people in the ass. Like that. that's like how we do that. We don't have any other options. The idea that for some reason just because a straight man is doing it with a woman and we have to use, you know, a fake penis because of it, like, that's not kinky. That's not a fetish. That's just like, you have something in your butt that feels really good when stimulated. But I mean, the actual mechanics of it, obviously, I mean, it's so funny. A lot of what I'm going to say is stuff that you have literally told me and now I'm regurgitating it back to you. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I always reach out to you for so much of the butt stuff for men's health stuff. You know, start small. You know, start with a pinky. Uh, you're not trying to, you know, I wouldn't necessarily recommend starting with a dick or starting with a 15-inch strap on here. Like, <laughs> get, get used to your body. There are so many good resources and articles about how to anally douche. That's something that, like, honestly, it is important and isn't important. It's, it's important in that you want to feel comfortable while you're doing this. 
and being clean, squeaky clean is something that helps people feel comfortable while doing this. You know, over the years, I, I'm less like I still douche, but I used to be someone who would over douche for like spend an hour in the bathroom to the point where like I could, you know, take a, a 5,000 inch dick for the 15 hours. because <laughs> I did that. And most of the time you don't need that. I felt bloated. It was actually really not healthy for my anus and the inner lining of my butts uh, and the tissue and all that stuff. So now I douche for literally seven minutes. I'm not squeaky clean the way I used to be. Uh, you know, there's sometimes there's a little bit of a smell, but like I'm not shitting anywhere. I don't have specs and that's completely fine for me and my partners. So it really is the level that you feel comfortable with. And that's the important thing. But yeah, start slow. Obviously use a shit ton of fucking lube. If you're using sex toys, you're supposed to use, you know, water-based lubes because using silicone-based lubes can destroy the sex toys. Honestly, I, I probably shouldn't say this. I still use silicone-based lube. Also, I'm a sex toy writer. I can always get new sex toys. So when I do destroy it, <laughs> it's probably not an issue. But the thing is, silicone lube is so much better than water-based. I agree. Like, 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 there really is no comparison. Yeah, and that's just because silicone-based lube is viscous. It's thicker. It's all that stuff. But anyway, I'm kind of rambling here. So, you know, start with baby steps. Work your way up. I can go into, like, the actual tips of how to breathe and do all that stuff a little bit later if we want to. But in terms of talking to it with your partner, you know, bring it up with them in the context of always, it's always good to ask about their interests and their kinks. What are they into? They share theirs. You can share yours a little bit. You know, I've been interested more in prostate play. Would that be something you're into? Here's why I'm into it. Whatever it is, but you should, like, if you have a good partner, you should feel comfortable saying these things. Like, I'm not saying, I'm not saying it's not awkward, but like, they should, like, they will they shouldn't judge you. You know what I mean? If they do, I really don't think they're the right person for you. Absolutely. And I think that's about them. It's not about you. It's not that you've asked for something wrong. It's that they have some stuff that they are projecting onto whatever it is. And it's okay to say, yeah, I'm not into that, but cool. Tell me more, you know, about why you're into it. Um, but it's not cool to to shame. We don't want to yuck anyone's yum, right? That's our that's our whole <laughs> our whole jam here. You cannot be into it or into it, but there's no need to make someone feel that there's something wrong with the fact that they're into it. You gave us so many good things. I don't even know where to start. I've been like scribbling down here, but I love what you said about starting with a pinky, and that that that's really you know unless you're comfortable taking a pinky in your butt then you really shouldn't be moving up to anything else because there is a thing that's called anal draining. And so our butt needs to get used to things that are uh, bigger going inside of our, our anus. And so a pinky or, you know, B5's got some great small rounded butt plugs that are easy to get in. They're smooth. They can stay in there easily while you do other things like touch your penis or other parts of your body um, to get your ass just used to this. And I think this emphasis on like the bigger and better and like I want a fist up there or I want something big, you know, that's all wonderful to be part of the fantasy, but we don't want to break any buttholes. You know, I don't want to be the one to break someone's buttholes act. This is not a thing for me. <laughs> and, and, I mean, and I mean, for for men or people with prostates, like it's what feels good, you know, in particular is prostate stimulation. And your prostate is two to three inches inside of your rectum. It is not eight inches inside of your rectum. You don't need an eight inch dick or an eight inch dildo to reach it. And so what feels, you know, the best, the hardest I come and the best orgasms I have is when someone 
literally is just using their two fucking fingers and they're you know you know as you say the come hither motion uh like they're doing that kind of come hither motion because the prostate's located more towards like your stomach kind of the way it is but you just put two fingers in and you you feel the prostate it is like this groove you know it's this walnut sized gland but you can feel the grooves and the ridges on it if you know what you're looking for and just what they say is milking the prostate and my partner will do this all the time i love it when my partner is blowing me and she'll um you know finger me too and then i have these inside when i ejaculate it's just like the most semen anyone has ever seen but it just feels that is honestly what feels best for me. Or even when I'm topping someone, I just have a prostate massager and that's only two to three inches inside my anus because that's what feels the best. You you really, it's fun to take a nine inch dick once in a while, just honestly for the sake of it, for the fact of like, on more so, it's more just saying like I fucking did it and being yeah. proud of you, what you did. But like, it, it's, A, it's not sustainable. And B, it's not even what feels best. Absolutely. And I, I love that that you're giving these options for people because it's it's not necessarily about the the bigger is better, but you directed to this actual technique. And so understanding the, the pleasure anatomy of where the prostate is. And so if someone is receiving fingering for the first time in their butt and their partner's trying to find their prostate and we're both trying to communicate about where it is, how, how do you describe the feeling of, of the prostate being stimulated? From the person doing the fingering or from the person being fingered? Let's do both, but let's start with the person being fingered. God, it's so difficult to describe the sensation of like pleasure. You know what I mean? To be like, you, you know, I mean, it's the same way, you know, when someone is, let's say, jerking you off or giving you the head and you're just like, oh, do that. That feels okay. good. I don't know what you did, just do that. And like, and it can sometimes be like, okay, you can. It could be that they touched your frenulum or they added pressure or something like that, but especially because it's difficult because you can't see what's going in, on inside the anus as someone's fingering you. Again, like you will just be have them fucking move their hands around, have them jiggle, you know, wiggle their finger back and forth, have them penetrate, have them go in and out, have them really rub backwards, have them do different things until you feel it. And when you feel it, you'll be like, that's it. That's what feels good. Okay. Okay, good. So this is just about kind of like tuning into the body and seeing what feels like when that spot when they come across or they graze or they they stimulate that spot that that's that we can give feedback, we can be like, that's it or like more of that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so much of the stuff is trial and error. There, there has to be times and honestly, I don't do this enough in my sex life. And I don't recommend this enough. So I'm glad I'm doing it with you of having non sexual times to like explore. So it's not like, oh, we're going in this because we want to have an orgasm, we want to have sex, but we're doing this just to be like, hey, I we, we want to get to know your prostate a little bit better and seeing it like that. That doesn't mean it's not fun. That doesn't mean you don't end up having sex or you don't end up coming. But the goal of it isn't necessarily, oh, we're having hot sex right now. It's more we're exploring our bodies and seeing what works. And it's a lot more communication. Hey, do this, do this, see what it is. And I honestly think sometimes it's good to really have a sex session that's like desexualized in that sense, just so you can learn and enjoy. 
I love that idea. That's so, it's so wonderful to kind of take the pressure off of, well, this is, we're going to squeeze this new thing into the menu of the things that we already do. So then there's some sort of pressure to get to orgasm at some point. And then there's also this like unconfidence that comes up for the person that's maybe doing the technique that's new to it. And like, well, okay, but now I got to get this person to this stage or like, I got to find the prostate. And it, it just makes everybody in their head about performance. And so I love kind of like, setting aside a date. Um, One of my favorite things to do, I had someone that was really just like a butt slut and loved prostate stuff. And I just loved also just doing it. And, um, and I would say, you know, Hey, like, um, you know, we're hanging out next weekend and I would just love to be inside of you. And so are you up for that? And just allowing you to kind of surrender, we'll see like where your butt takes us, but let's just focus on feeling, you know, whatever sensations come up for you. And it took the pressure off of everything. Because then I was like, cool, it's not like I have to make this person explode onto the walls across the room or that they have to feel that uh, they have to, you know, kind of zone in on giving me directions. And it just ended up being so much more playful, so much more less awkward and so much more curious about seeing the sensations also ripple through their body and being like, oh, damn, like your turtles, your toes curled at that spot or you grabbed your nipples at that spot. Yeah, these things, they I love the word playful. And I love when people use it in a sexual context being like, this is a time where it is, you're exploring and you're learning and it's educational. But it's also, it's also playful. It's also funny. Like, I feel like often during sex, we forget to laugh. Sex is weird. Bodies are fucking weird. Weird things come out of it. Every body is gross and disgusting. And I love it. And I love it and embrace it. But I think you know what I mean. You know what I mean? Like bodies are fucking weird. Like embrace it. Love it. Like when something weird happens, laugh. Yeah. So I think these sessions, like I love, I love that you had that experience with them. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing I, I love too was I, I would get myself into the headspace. And so when they were on their way over, I'd be like, okay, I'd get my little basket, my little butt basket. And I would go around and like cherry pick from all of my sex toys about which ones I might want to see inside of them. Um, and a little, uh, little red riding hood outfit <laughs> like just, like, thing in a little basket and sort of like going up to apple trees, but instead of apple trees, it's like, and here's a vibrate. <laughs> like growing on these trees i need to have someone draw this basically it yeah little butt riding hood is me and and i i would look at you know just kind of as a, a way of psyching myself up for it because i think sometimes as the the givers we also get into our heads because we're not necessarily receiving the same kind of visceral sensations from giving and so it's easy to then kind of notice like, oh, damn, my elbows are dry or like, you know, I don't know what to do with this other hand. And um, so I think like getting into the the headspace of things. And so um, you mentioned also, you know, using either a pinky or, or toys. And are you a fan of toys for yourself? Are you a fan of toys on other people? Do you prefer kind of hands as sex toys? Specifically for anal stuff or in general or? Specifically for anal stuff. Yeah. Like, do you like prostate toys? Do you like butt plugs or do you have a preference yeah no i i I think particularly for butt stuff um i actually enjoy i'm not truth be told a huge male masturbator fan i don't necessarily like flashlights or a lot Mm. of stuff you put over your penis because honestly it's a lot of cleanup a lot of work and i'm like i'm just trying to jack off here and it's something you know i could do this with my hand but like i can't I can't have like a vibrating thing three inches up my ass while I'm also jerking myself off. Like, you know, that's something I can't do naturally. 
So I'm actually a much bigger fan of uh, prostate and butt plugs. Absolutely. For me, vibrating ones are like infinitely better at this point, like especially for sexual things. So I sometimes walk around with a butt plug in during the day. I enjoy that. That is not vibrating because that's, I think, honestly too sexual. If I like walked around and had a butt plug in that was vibrating, I'd be like horny as fuck and uh, <laughs> I can't be at the gym, like, creeping on guys here. But otherwise, like, during sex, everything I have, like, vibrates. And I think especially for anal and prostate stuff, it really lends to more full-body orgasms. Because the vibrations, you know, they reverberate throughout your entire body. Mm. So I highly recommend uh, butt toys that vibrate. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And have you tried the the rimming butt plug? Of course. Okay, good. Because I want. I recommend it to everyone. I absolutely fucking recommend it. Yeah, um, me too. I think it's one of those like you must have. And so if you haven't seen this, go on to bevibe.com and just look at it. Like the rimming butt plugs are just the way of getting analingus. So you're getting your ass eaten by a vibrator. It's just genius. I don't know why I would ever leave the house. Like, what's the point anymore? Also, for what it's worth, the XL plug is actually XL. Uh, I have the XL vibrating plug and so many of the times, especially for, uh, actually, I won't say it like that. Um, no, no. So, so many of the times, like when they say XL, unless if it's like a hella gay, raunchy, like fetish site for gay men, when they say XL, they'll be like, this is 15 inches in diameter. It's like something insane. But usually, I think like a lot of other places say XL, and it's not that big. The XL rimming plug from B-Vibe is large. That is, okay. that, that is, it is worth noting that like, it took me, I, I did honestly everything probably wrong that you're not supposed to do that thing not doing where I'm like, I'm going to fucking take this. I don't give a fuck <laughs> happened. And I did. And boy, coming out was that, uh, I definitely had some anal fucking tears from, from that. And that's on me. And, um, uh, and now I definitely only work up to that guy, but the XL is like legitimately big. So if you're into that, it's a perfect toy for it, for sure. I love what a freaking anal overachiever you are. You're like, I'm going to do this. You well, know? I felt like I bought this. Like, like it's, you know what I mean? Like, if I if I spend money on this shit, I'm fucking using it. Like, <laughs> um, but no, definitely. I was like, like, literally, like, in my shower tub, just like trying to sit on this fucking thing. Yeah. <laughs> And eventually, and the moment I got in there, I'm like, holy shit, well, this feels fucking insane. And then I came, like, immediately. Um, <laughs> and so, okay, so let's, let's put it out there. So for people who are are worried about tearing their asshole. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so. Which you know, it should be. Of- I, I said a little too cavalierly. It's uh, Honestly, it's not the end of the world. But, like, uh, you know, obviously, let's try to not fucking get anal fissures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and all the stuff that you mentioned before is is the way to not or to to reduce the chances of anal fissures, right? Like lots of lube, go slow, start small. <laughs> yes, for sure. So I love that. If all of this prostate play talk is making you want to go shopping for butt stuff, I don't blame you. Head over to bvibe.com and check out the range of butt stuff that is available to help you get started. And that is high quality, well-designed and body safe. And so while you're there, you can use code LUNA, L-U-N-A, to save 30% off of Bvibe branded products. If you're not in the U.S. and you're looking for Bvibe products, reach out to us and we can help you find a retailer. And do you find, um, cause I find when I'm pleasuring someone's prostate, I like having a toy because my fingers get tired and I can't give that kind of continuous pressure that sometimes people need. 
And and so do you do you find that it's like, do you have a, a preference for other than vibration? Like, do you want your toy to be firmer? Do you like like stainless steel toys? Do you like plastic toys? Like there's so much out there that um, I think sometimes it's confusing for people about what they should spend their money on. So I like the toys that are often a perineum massager and a prostate massager. So it often looks like a kind of like a C shape or a V shape somewhere in between a C and a V on its side or a V on its side, I guess it would be. And that way, so, but it stimulates your perineum, which is the, you know, that strip of kind of skin between your asshole and your testicles. If you're, you know, if you have testicles and it's often called like the taint, I've heard it called the grundle. And that's just like, honestly, I like the prostate massagers that have that simulation because that's a really erogenous zone that doesn't get used often. It also is a great to actually hook it in and keep it in more so versus the ones that don't have it. It's difficult to sometimes just leave it in and do shit versus I like having a prostate massager in me if I'm topping, if I'm having sex with someone else, I need something that will stay in there. So the fact that it hugs your body that way and can stay in is a huge plus for me. For me, also, it's a lot about the angles. You know what I mean? Some of them don't just like don't hit the right way. Some of them do. I'm trying to think like what else there. But I, I think for me, really having that grip on the perineum and then also inside your prostate's like super important for me. Yeah, that's no, that's a great tip because I've seen those too. And I was like, huh, are they are they better or are they, you know, maybe more complicated for people? A lot so- for more mobility, for sure. Okay. Okay. Good to know. And I like that you mentioned that you put it in when you're topping. And I think we assume that buttholes are the penetration piece only for people who are receiving or bottoming. So do you have any tips for for people who are topping either for their prostate pleasure if they have a prostate or for how to angle whether they're penetrating with a dildo or with a penis for their bottom? Wait, wait. So sorry, but the question was specifically for tops, how to incorporate prostate on yourself either on themselves so if you're gonna put a prostate toy in or do butt plugs do you find that butt plugs really give you the same kind of top pleasure or is it more about a prostate specific vibrator butt plugs are usually easier you just kind of put them in they stay there they're not going to fall out prostates are like a lot of prostate toys are not necessarily made with the intention of you moving around as much Okay. So butt plugs, I feel like can just kind of often be easier. You pluck that bad boy in, it's not going to fall out. It like, you're set to go versus prostate takes a little bit more time. The prostate toys I've used at least takes a little bit more time and work. Butt plugs are great. Yeah, butt plugs are absolutely great to have in during sex. You know, a lot of my partners, my female partners, they'll wear it during sex too. I sometimes wear it during whether I'm topping, if I'm topping and it's just, yeah, it's super easy to use. Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Because I I like that too. I actually really like having smaller butt plugs with a a curved flared base because I find that it kind of like just like pops into my butt crack and then stays there and, and it doesn't fall out when things are moving around. And then, yeah, my, my other part of the question was a tips for tops. And so what, what would you give a tip for a top who's either using a strap-on or a penis to stimulate someone? Oh, uh, that's what you meant. Yeah. Okay, sorry. I was thinking like uh, as a top who's having sex with someone else, how do you put something in your butt as the top as you're fucking someone else? I think I just asked it really weird. Um, no, no, you did not. I was just there. Uh, tips for tops just for anal i mean for, just don't be a fucking asshole let's start with this like thank you <laughs> like oh my god it's like i get it you're excited you want to have sex like but you can't just fucking ram it in there and immediately start pounding 
And especially if you're a cisgender man who's never had anything in your fucking asshole before, then like you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Like you're fucking dumb and stupid. Like sorry, I'm <laughs> but just being like, oh, like if like until like you, if I believe every fucking top should experience bottoming and should have something in their asshole or their vagina, whatever it is, before they top and do something for something else. And they say that for a lot of BDSM too, with Dom's Dom sub stuff. Like if you're going to be spanking someone or whipping someone or whatever it is, you first have that done on yourself. So then you know what the feeling is like before you apply it to someone else. And they do that in BDSM, but we don't do that with men and we don't do that with penetration. So I'm letting you know now, if you've never had something in your rear end or you've never had something in your vagina and you're just thinking, oh, I can just easily slip it in here and pound. Oh, they're complaining. Oh, it doesn't hurt. I can just keep going. You're just an asshole. So really take, go it, go slow. Use a shit ton of lube. Honestly, take it in, pull it out, like, and really follow the lead of the bottom being like, hey, you can go a little bit slow, go slow, go slow, check in. Hey, does this feel good? Do you want, do you want me to go harder? Do you want me to stay here? Sometimes it's nice, especially at the beginning, if you've finally reached all, you know, all of yourself inside the person, I'm just like, just stay there. And I usually grab their butt and like hold them into me so they mm-hmm. can't actually move. And I'm like, just hey, stay there. Let me breathe. Let me get used to this. But really just go slow and defer to the bottom. I love that. And I think people who encourage their bottoms to be more active or to, you know, communicate or they check in or I love saying to a bottom, you know, I'll be like, beg with your butt. You know, like show me that butt once more. And then that way they get to contribute to whether or not I'm going deeper or whether or not they need to go a bit more shallower. And I think sometimes people confuse communication with like sterilization of the moment and they feel that it kind of takes away from it. But I think of it as lube and I'm guessing you agree. It's like social lube, right? Yeah. The, the, I mean, there are ways to communicate in a way that's sterile and if you're, and don't do that. You know, there are ways to just be really hot and sexy when you communicate. And sometimes, you know, honestly, in the beginning of anal, it might not, it's maybe not the sexiest when you're just like, oh, go slower, pull out, ow, that hurts. Okay, fine. So for 15 seconds, is not the sexiest. But otherwise, like telling your partner how hot it is when you like, when they do this, when they move like that, when they touch you here that's all that's all sexy talk that's like yes you're communicating while at the same time but that's all hot shit too yes yes i totally agree and then what about our lovely bottoms and and receivers like what kinds of advice would you or tips would you give to them i I think for me as a top what is most frustrating is when i ask what do you like and they say i don't know i don't know everything yeah Yeah. (laughs) like like I remember once I said that to this girl and she was just like, she literally just said, no, do do that again. Try that again. I was like, fair enough. And I'm like, actually, I like it when you do X, Y, Z. It is hot when tops want to please the bottom. We want to know how to do this. It is hot when you articulate exactly what it is that you want. I am a very vocal bottom. And recently that's even started to translate into when I taught more. But as a bottom, like, I've just been so, hey, do this, do that. I'm switching you here. Oh, my God, this feels good. And I moaned, I moaned very loudly. But just, like, it is, I'm one of the most vocalist bottoms I know, not in terms of screaming fuck me harder, but in terms of saying exactly what it is that I want. And fuck, I fucking have the best sexual experiences fucking out there because I make sure my needs are getting met. It's fucking amazing. 
and everyone wants to fuck me again because you know why? They see how much I'm enjoying it. They see how much I'm getting off and they fucking love that. And I also, you know, I'm not just completely greedy and only doing shit for myself. Of course, I also check in and see what they're doing. But honestly, I think it's better for more bottoms to be greedy. I'm like, tops are going to enjoy themselves anyhow. They're going to be fine. But like for so bottoms, be fucking greedy. Be fucking vocal. Be a bossy ass bottom. And and I think recognizing that it's not just better for you, it's better for them when you do this. Everyone fucking wins. Ooh. Oh, Zach, you said so many good things there. I was trying to like scribble as you're going along. I feel like there's a bunch of t-shirts in there that I want to make. The bossy bottoms. Like, like this is amazing. That's, that's my gang. <laughs> the bossy bottoms is your gang. I love that. <laughs> I I I love that how you describe like owning it comes through this this communication. Like you're getting better pleasure, better sex because you're you're speaking up, because you're taking charge, because you're articulating desire. And I think that's so important for people to hear, especially when we're talking about trying something if this is new for someone or if you're new to this with your this particular person's body. And, and we really need that communication. And yes, the awkwardness might come, but you're actually going to set yourself up for better, deeper, you know, bigger pleasure by laying that, you know, 15 seconds of awkwardness, like you mentioned. It's so worth it. Like you lay this 15 seconds of awkwardness and that way you don't have C plus sex. You get to have A sex, you know, A plus sex just because yes. you put in that little work. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that we've just... You know, I, I know that that porn has really shown us um, a lot of performative sex that doesn't necessarily have communication in it and or communication that we would use in in actual, you know, non-performance sex. And so I think some of us are, are working with the assumption that, oh, that's what sex is, you know, hot sex is supposed to look like. Like I just walk in, deliver your pizza and I end up in your prostate. You know, it's like and it, it doesn't necessarily um, have to take away from your sexy fantasies to actually be present with what the bodies are doing right now, what the feels are right now, that actually deepens the erotic moment. It like creates this evidence for the top, especially that, you know, things are going well, like you're getting the kind of pleasure that you want and it builds their confidence. And so if both people are feeling more confident, then you're getting better sex. Period. Period. Yeah. Yeah. And can you tell us a bit about, you had mentioned breathing. And so do you use breathing as, as a top or as a bottom? Or how can we use breathing in, in peace spot pleasure? Everything. That breathing, I mean, it's so, it just, you know, when the sensations can sometimes feel overwhelming, especially if I'm getting pounded by a dick. And it's like, it feels good. It feels great. And it's not that like I'm having like painful anal tears or anal fissures are forming, but it's just like, this is an intense sensation. And I would like it to continue, but it's a lot. And just really taking these deep belly diaphragmic breaths, not these short, shallow breaths, and just really allowing yourself, oh, to relax into it can just really help you enjoy the experience more and just help you be less tense, right? So that's all breathing does. It relaxes you, it makes you less tense, and you got to be relaxed if you're bottoming. You want your hole nice and open. You don't want to be tight and clenching. Otherwise, you're going to be in for a world of pain here. Mm. Um, and mm. for topping, I mean, I use it especially if I... Uh, it can help me to not ejaculate as quickly. I kind of do these like deep breaths and focus and kind of, you know, again, it's recentering yourself a little bit. So that's a tip that I use if I'm going, uh, yeah, if, if I can tell myself I'm about to come, I usually pull out 
and then takes a few deep breaths. Obviously, don't touch my penis for that moment to make sure I don't come. Do some kegel squeezes for dear fucking life. And then, you know, after that kind of passes and maybe takes 10 seconds, then I can go back to having sex again. I don't feel like I'm immediately going to come. So breathing can really help with that, too. Okay. All right. And for for prostate pleasure uh, or for prostate orgasms, is there a difference between a prostate orgasm and prostate milking? Yes. So milking is like... uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, I guess I've never defined it in this way, but milking is kind of just the, the process of stimulating it. And often what happens is when you're milking, like your your dick starts leaking and it's not, you're not ejaculating, but it's like, uh, and it's, it's not, is it semen? Is it ejaculate? I'm not sure exactly what's coming out of your penis, but like this viscous fluid is coming out of your penis. But milking the prostate really is just kind of rubbing it repeatedly and having that sensation and, you know, having this oozy penis. And that is different than, you know, a prostate-induced orgasm or an orgasm that you just have an ejaculate, like typical penile ejaculate orgasm that you have without, you know, any prostate play. Okay. And so does the prostate orgasm feel different than an orgasm that comes from penis stimulation? Yeah. So you can have like kind of, you know, a prostate orgasm on its own, really. And it really feels like a more of a full body orgasm in the way that I imagine that women or people with vulvas experience orgasms. Because a lot of times you have, when you ejaculate just from your penis and you orgasm that way, it's very localized to your penis. It's this quick burst versus like prostate orgasms are less of this quick burst, but more something you can experience for an extended period of time. But then also you have, like, I've had coupled kind of prostate and ejaculate and ejaculated two at the same time. And that's when you usually have these like huge, huge um, loads, for lack of better words, but you ejaculate so much semen and sperm, right? But really these prostate orgasms are so much more full, full body as opposed to localized to your genitals. Okay. Okay. So... Can you, can some people have prostate orgasms without ejaculating them? Absolutely. Okay. Um, you can, uh, it's also, you, you can have orgasms without ejaculating as well. Like not even prostate orgasms. You could like your orgasms actually separate, separate from ejaculating and you can couple the two. And I noticed this actually a lot when actually during prostate play, I'll start ejaculating and then no joke after like three seconds into ejaculating, the orgasm comes with the ejaculation. Mm. So like it's literally there'll be three seconds and I'll look up like, holy shit, I'm coming and I don't even see myself coming. And then all of a sudden that wave of pleasure will come four, even four or five seconds in and I feel like I'm have this much longer, much more powerful orgasm. But yeah, orgasm and ejaculations are actually different, but they, you know, for 99.99% of people, they are the same because they, they haven't decoupled it or because they're not having prostate prostate orgasms here. Okay. Thank you for, for, for laying that out like that, because I, I think lots of people get sort of 
confused when they start to pleasure themselves in a different way and the 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 orgasm build is is different and so i've been in men's butts where their penis isn't hard and they're enjoying the anal play and so they're they're feeling great from it and so also to to you know not set the expectation that your prostate stimulation has to result in in an orgasm or an erection um but have you had this experience too where people maybe are getting anal pleasure or prostate pleasure and it's not necessarily inspiring like erections oh i only recently like so i can get a lot of prostate play and still have an erect erection only up until recently have i been able to like get pounded while being hard but most of the times i've sex with men or people with penises like i'm not hard it just it is too much sensation there's too much going on and you know and, and the thing is it's not the focus so i could probably if i worked really hard to jack off at the same time as someone's fucking me i might be able to get hard but like that that's not where my pleasure is coming from my pleasure is coming from my prostate i just want to focus on that i really don't even care how my if my penis is hard or not right now it really doesn't matter mm-hmm. okay okay yeah i'm glad that, that you're putting that out there too because you know the signs of pleasure can look different for everyone and i think we have a society that says like masculinity and sex equals hard penis and so, you know, if you're out there and you're trying out prostate pleasure and you don't get into that hard penis state, that's okay. You know, like listen to your body. You may like prostate pleasure because it feels relaxing or it feels different or it feels intimate or it feels, you know, something else that's good for you. And that's that's totally valid and fine. I, I think also what we didn't necessarily tackle today, which I think is so important, is like we're, we're focusing a lot on the pleasures and the pleasures are incredible and earth shattering and really different from prostate orgasms to penile orgasms and the feeling. But also there's such a level of intimacy, I think, that comes with having something inside of you that women are familiar with and most guys are not. And I, I think having that level of intimacy can really bond you and connect you with your partner and also, oh my God, it's so funny. As someone who topped for so many times and then started bottoming, and I'm like, oh, I understand why bottoms are clingier now, which is like the funny <laughs> thing that me. But it's always like the tops are doing whatever the fuck they want, and the bottoms are clingy and waiting for the text. And like the moment, like someone would, like, whatever it is, come inside of me, or I just get fucked for 30 minutes. I'm like, oh, I love this person. And then you're like, no, I don't. Let's, okay. Like a deep fucking breath right here. Like, what the fuck just happened? But so, like, you know, it, but I, I think it gives you a little bit more empathy towards people bottom. And I think you understand, like, okay, this is actually a far more intimate thing. So if you've been sticking your dick in everywhere and are confused why people like you afterwards or whatever it is, <laughs> you know, like, we just had sex. And I think it's it can be helpful to have this intimate and passionate experience when you do bottom and be like, okay. I kind of see where they're coming from at this point, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, I'm so glad that you brought that to the table too, because I definitely feel that way. I feel so erotic about being inside of someone else's body because also for most of my life, I've been the one receiving penetration. And, and so it feels so exciting for me. I love getting them to, you know, do a Kegel around while my fingers in their butt. Cause I want to feel their muscle. I want to feel their, like their awareness of me inside of them. And, and I think, you know, because we, we often, I mean, I watch a lot of, of anal porn for fun and also for work, but you know, it's, for it, work, quote unquote. I know I did air quotes over here, but whatever, don't tell my mom. And yeah. you know, it's like, there's so much of that intimacy that sometimes, I mean, you can find like sensual anal sex, but I mean, the majority of it is pound, 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 pound. And, oh, and sure. so, 
you know, it's it's no surprise that people then kind of forget that this is another angle that we can come into this. And if there's more pleasure to be had, then why not? You know, if you get off on that intimacy, yeah, like grab it, talk about it, like embrace it and and allow that to kind of be a part of your experience. No, and you make such a good point with porn that we didn't discuss, but like anal's like there's no like I don't watch female centric porn. Maybe I should, but like there's no such thing as like soft intimate anal. Like like, <laughs> like you know what I mean? It's always just like anal fucking pounding, and like that that is a part of it, but that is just one really one thing. And maybe that's also why a lot of guys probably think of anal and they think of fucking pounding when it's like, oh, that's not really what this is about. But like, that really is, yeah, just one type of anal sex. And usually or often it can be very intimate. Hmm. Yeah, I love that that we're wrapping up on on the intimate part because I think um there's there's sometimes a connection to intimacy and emotional investment or intimacy and like oh this means we have to be in a relationship and and once we kind of free ourselves from that, you know, if we're just having if we're having sex with people whether it's casual or whether it's in a relationship that you don't have to necessarily treat people casually just because it's casual sex. Like you can still take up space in those emotions. You're allowed to feel them, you're allowed to receive them. And, you know, that's, that's also, I, I've often thought about, oh, I don't want to do anal casually. I don't want to do this, you know, and because I had that in my head that someone wouldn't treat me well, if I was doing this thing casually that you're supposed to, I'm doing air quotes again, you're supposed to do with, you know, someone uh, who you're in a relationship with, which is supposed to equal trust and trust can be built in many different scenarios. Yeah, absolutely. And just a reminder, like that's, I don't want to say that's the only type of sex gay men have. Of course, sex is not just penetration. It's not just anal. But I mean, like, yeah, like th- that is our form of penetra- penetration sex. So it's our form of casual sex. It's our form of hit it and quit it sex. It's a form of intimacy. You know, it's all anal can be everything. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I. I mean, I could talk to you for like six hours. And so I feel like there's lots of stuff that we we talked about today, or we touched on that maybe people want more information about. And so if you are interested in uh, learning about how to clean your ass, you know, we talked with Dr. Jess about that in episode one. And if you want to know more about toys, we talked with Alicia Sinclair, who's the boss babe at uh, Be Vibe in episode two. So you can go back and listen to. Uh, Three? You're number three. Yes. Oh my god. I know. I know. I know. I was so excited. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. And so, Zach, I want to know: Can you share with us a booty blooper? So, sometime where maybe something cringy happened or embarrassing, any kind of funny booty moment that you want to share with us? All right. Hold on one sec. Let me think. Let me okay. think. Okay. <laughs> okay. 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 I got this. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> For my, my partner now, they, they don't uh, they don't mind if I share their name on shit like this. Uh, their name is Daya, and when we we first met, kind of through a like sex party thing, and I guess they had saw me. They didn't realize I topped, so they just saw me getting fucked, and so they didn't realize that like actually I top as well. So, and they assumed, I think they knew about me, they knew about my work a little bit, but like, but we actually had our first official date after we had met at the sex party. And she had seen me getting fucked and I think daisy chained or whatever the fuck it was. And then I remember we're having sex. And so she's like, you know, starting to finger my butthole. And I look down and I see her like licking her lips and getting so excited and the motion she's making. And I turn, I'm like, are you trying to fist me right now? And she's like, yeah. (laughs) 
what the fuck are you doing? Wait, wait, why are you trying to fist me right now? And she's like, aren't you like this like bottom like anal? Pr-? I'm like, yeah, yeah but you, uh, I'm not prepared to be fisted. But it was just so funny because I'm seeing her fist and she's looking at her lips. And you can see like she's analyzing it. She's looking at my butthole and she's like turning her head being like, okay, what's the best way to fucking fist this asshole right now? And I'm just thinking like, I'm going to have a light prostate touch. And I had to be like, hey, uh, yeah, I'm down to get fisted at some point. But like. No, I, I did not expect on our first date for you to uh, fist me without my knowledge. Uh, and we've been dating for many, many months now. And we look back on this and we joke. Uh, but I just thought it was so funny. I look down and be like, are you doing what? What is that face? Oh, oh yeah. You're just thinking you can just get that bad boy right up in there. Um, <laughs> just a friendly fisting in the neighborhood (laughs) oh fuck i gagged that's so funny that is such a good story (laughs) oh so funny oh my gosh thank you for that and thank you daya for letting that story live on here because it's just so good so so good i'm I'm like picturing the faces of you being like oh yeah oh wait what (laughs) I fucking loved it. And I, at this point, actually, she still has not fisted me. I need to get on that. <laughs> maybe you'll get a good fisting for Valentine's Day. <laughs> maybe for Valentine's Day. Maybe, maybe she'll, she'll listen to this podcast and the next time I go over, I better be fucking prepared to get fisted. Because I know <laughs> at this point, I'm quite literally asking for it. So I will, I will be prepared. I'll, I'll have to check back in with you being like, yep, she listened and I got fisted. And yes. was, I've never actually been fisted. We will do a follow-up on whether yeah. or not Zach got fisted. Yeah. <laughs> Entire three-hour special. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Or could you just live stream it for us? And you oh, just absolutely. do audio. Audio's fine. That's okay. Oh, my God. Let's play the game. How quickly can I get clicked off, kicked off Instagram? <laughs> I know. Exactly. I'll see you on the other side of no Instagram. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh, Zach, you are such a treat. Thank you so much for joining us on the plug. I had, I laughed. I'm sweating. Uh, I have so many ideas written down. And I just think that what you bring and the, the dynamism of your experience and your voice and all the introspection you have about your identities and your sex is so amazing. And I'm so grateful that you shared it with us. Thank you. Oh, of course. Thank you so much for having me on the show. And this is honestly so much fun. I love talking about butt stuff. And now, you know, my partner's coming over. I think we're going to have to do some of that stuff in probably about an hour. So yes, please continue the butt loving for the evening. I know I was just eyeing my basket of butt plugs. And I was like, hmm, I've been talking about butt stuff a lot. But you know, none for me yet. Uh, (laughs) Is there there, we're going to put all your goodies about where to find you in our show notes. But is there anything coming up that you're excited about that you want to share with us either butt related or not butt related? I know we're talking about my book proposal. That's too early now uh because we're finally i'm writing a book have my Yay! agent we're submitting it the book proposal in the next couple months but once it's sold is when i'll probably start doing more promo of course you can follow me on instagram and twitter that's the best way to stay in touch with me and my writings and also just a lot of sexy thirst traps really shameless thirst traps and that's zachary zane underscore the underscore at the end some punk has zachary zane it is very frustrating Bitch. <laughs> um, and then also a really good way to stay in touch and do this stuff is to subscribe to my newsletter, Boy Slut. You can subscribe, you know, just Google Boy Slut. It should be the first thing that comes up. Or you can go on Instagram. There's a link to it there. And that's a direct way for me to get in contact with you and also 
you know, if I, I will absolutely write about my fisting extra, my first time getting fisted. So that's also a great way to kind of see where that happens. Uh, <laughs> yes. What happens with that, you know? Yes, yes. And we'll put all those links so everyone can find you really easily. And I highly recommend Zach's Twitter. It's hilarious. And there's, yeah, there's lots of sexiness on it, but it's hilarious too. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> thank you so much, Zach. Yeah, thank you so much. And we'll talk soon. All right. Woo! These guests are always leaving me sweating and full of excitement. I might need a cuddle. I learned so much in this episode and feel really happy that we can unpack so many different parts of our sexuality when we start to dig deeper into anal pleasure. So if you're eager to keep learning, check out the previous episodes of The Plug to learn about pain, hygiene, and anal sex toys in episodes one and two. And for more learning, visit bvibe.com to stimulate your anal knowledge with some educational webinars that I've also been hosting as part of the Seducing the Butt six-part anal play live webinar series. So until next time, be good to the booties in your life, including your own. I'm Luna Matadas, and I'll talk to you on another episode of The Plug.